0: Last week, we looked at uh, the death of Jesus Christ. This evening, we are looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is session number five in our series of studies on the foundations of our faith. Okay. Now, the question we must ask ourselves right in the very beginning is, was the resurrection of Jesus real or was it just a story to push an agenda? There are some people who have this question. They so say, look, here, some people just you know, made up a story, cooked up a story to say that Jesus rose again from the dead so that it can give Christianity credibility. Some others will say it was nothing historical. It is like when you know, we say that somebody died and they still live in our hearts. You know, that's what happened to Jesus. No, no, there is no question about whether the resurrection of Jesus was a metaphorical one or a physical one, a historical one. The scripture tells us that over 500 people saw him and many of those who would be in that very time period. So anybody could uh, verify the fact of the resurrection. And if it was not true, then these people who lived at that time in which Peter and John were proclaiming that Jesus rose again. They could have definitely called what they were saying a lie and pulled them up for it. But they were not able to do that because that was the reality. Jesus did rise again physically. It was not a myth. It is not just a thought. It is not just to say that he is alive in our hearts. He rose again physically. And that's the important thing when we think about the resurrection of Jesus. It is definitely unique. Secondly. The resurrection of Jesus was a cause to die for. The disciples, everybody, each one of them who left Jesus when he went to the cross, now after the resurrection, each one of them were willing to give their lives for this truth that Jesus indeed rose again from the dead. That was a cause to die for. They believed it so much because it was the truth. They were willing to give their very lives for it. How did these disciples change from individuals who were scared about the Romans and the chief priests and scribes and they were huddled together in a room? How were their lives changed after the resurrection? Because they knew now this was a truth and they were willing to give their very lives for what they believed. Number three, the resurrection of Jesus. Overtook death. The resurrection of Jesus overtook death. What do you mean by overtaking death? For a lot of people, death is the final thing, it's the end. No, no, the resurrection of Jesus overtook death, went beyond that. This is why, at any funeral, a Christian funeral, in other words, I am the resurrection and the life would definitely appear at some point during the service. Why? Because the emphasis is that because Jesus rose again, death is not the final thing. He has overtaken death, taken us into life after death by virtue of he rising again from the dead. We also can have that assurance that that is what will happen to us if we are trusting in him. Fourthly, the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of our Christian faith. This is the cornerstone of our Christian faith. Without Christ's resurrection, we would have no salvation from sin, no payment for sin, and without the resurrection, there would be no hope for us for the future after we die. So the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of our Christian faith because not only does it give us the hope in this life that our sins are forgiven and paid for, but also we have hope in the life to come. So let's look at the uniqueness of Christ's resurrection, the uniqueness of Christ's resurrection, <laughs> okay? Number one, the resurrection of our Lord was unique because of his deity, because of his deity. Any man can say, I'm dying. Any man can say, I'm dying on behalf of my people. But person who says, I have part to lay down my life, I also have part to take it up again will definitely be acclaimed as God himself. So the resurrection of Jesus is unique because Jesus claimed to be God right through when he was here on earth. And this was for this very reason that the chief priests, the elders, the religious leaders wanted to put him to death. Remember when Jesus was crucified in Mark's gospel, we find the soldier standing by says, truly this was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God. In other words, he knew. Looking at what was happening there, he said, there's something different about Jesus than about the other two thieves that were on either side of Jesus. Jesus is not just a normal person. He is very God and very man. And his death signified that. One of Peter's arguments on the day of Pentecost was that if the Lord Jesus was indeed God, it would be impossible for God to have remained dead to decompose in a tomb. That was his argument for Christ's resurrection. If he was just a man, he would still be in the tomb. But the fact that he is God, God cannot be kept in a tomb. God cannot die and decay. So the resurrection showed that he is indeed God. Secondly, the resurrection of Jesus was unique because of the death which preceded and necessitated his resurrection. What is the type of death? For well, his own sin, he was sinless, but he died on behalf of sinners, on behalf of sinners. So the death of Jesus was unique because it was a part of God's eternal plan that Christ would die as an innocent sacrificial lamb as payment, substitute payment for the sins of men. This is why John the Baptist, as soon as he saw Jesus coming to him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. God knew. God gave revelation to John to recognize that this is what is going to happen. The death of Jesus was necessary as payment for sin. The resurrection of Jesus was necessary to prove that the payment was accepted and that he is indeed God. Thirdly, the resurrection of our Lord is unique because such an event has no precedent whatsoever. In other words, nobody has resurrected before. Now you may say, but didn't people die and come back to life? No, there's a difference between resuscitation and resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, 23, Paul uses this phrase, the first fruits, the first fruits. In other words, you know, what happened to Jesus was unique. First time it has actually happened. A human being died and he rose again, had a different body, you know, had a different body. And the same thing is also going to be with us as well. That's why he's called as the first fruits. Lazarus died. He was brought back to life. He was not resurrected. He was resuscitated, and he died again, you know, because that was still the physical body. But Jesus' resurrection is that he rose again into a spiritual body. There was still a body, but it was a spiritual body. Let's move further and look at 10 truths about the resurrection. 10 truths about the resurrection. Number one, the resurrection is the core of the Christian message and should never be neglected or assumed, okay? Now the church today spends a lot of time celebrating Christmas. They spend a lot of time maybe celebrating also Good Friday and now during the Lenten period, they may celebrate this time of, you know, uh, fasting and time of penance as it were. They say, hey, this is what we have to do. But once, you know, Good Friday goes, Sunday sometimes can be just another Sunday. Once, maybe they remember the resurrection of Jesus in the whole year, just as much as you remember only once the birth of Jesus. But no, that's not how the early church did it. The early church met on the first day of the week as a celebration of Christ's resurrection. And the greeting that they had every Sunday was, Christ is risen. And the congregation would respond, he is risen indeed. So every Sunday when they met, it was a celebration about the resurrection. That's why the church met on a Sunday morning. The Jews meet on a Sabbath and a Saturday. But the church met on a Sunday because that's the day he rose again from the dead. And that is what they wanted to put as the main truth constantly, that if there's no resurrection, there is no Christianity to every Sunday when they met together, they worshiped God thanking him that he rose again from the dead. Secondly, belief in Jesus's physical resurrection is the defining doctrine of Christianity. A Christian is basically one who believes in the physical resurrection of Jesus. Now, this is important because today, there are a lot of liberal uh, theologians who will not speak about the physical resurrection. Like I mentioned to you, there are some who would say, that yes, he is alive, he is alive in the hearts of people. Now, he is not alive in the hearts of people, he is risen again physically. Remember the old song that we used to sing, you know, you know, you ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. Now that's one part of it that he is alive and you have responded to him and he is now living inside of you. But that is not the base, the base is that he did rise again physically, okay. There was a physical resurrection. There was no body over there. Only the grave clothes were there. And that is the truth about the resurrection. Anyone who denies the physical resurrection is not really on the right foundational truth. Thirdly, the resurrection demonstrated to the whole universe, the deity of Jesus and God's love for him. Romans chapter one and verse four tells us that he was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. This was a proof statement. The resurrection was a proof statement. In the Old Testament, when the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies, if the sacrifice was accepted, he will come out alive. If it was not accepted, he will be struck down dead and that is why his garment at the base would have little bells ringing as long as as he was moving around, the bells were ringing, signifying he's alive. But if the bell stopped ringing, they knew that he was dead and they could not go inside. They had to pull the body out. Now, that was a symbol to the people of whether the sacrifice was accepted or not. So when Jesus died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice, The fact that God raised him up from the dead was an evidence that God has accepted that sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Number four, without the resurrection, there would be no church at all. Okay. Without the resurrection, there would be no church at all. Remember after the death of Jesus, the disciples were all lost and helpless. Remember the two disciples who are on the way to Emmaus, what did they say? Did they say we have hope that he's going to rise again from the dead? No, no. They said we had hoped that he would be the Messiah. Now their hopes were all gone. But when Jesus revealed himself to them and that saying that he indeed is risen, he is the one who is the Messiah, that changed them so drastically. And then on the day of Pentecost, when they met together, according to instructions from the Lord himself, the Spirit of God fell upon them and they were changed totally, drastically, and they met together constantly to share the word and to build others in the faith. Remember, the church did not create resurrection stories. Instead, because of the resurrection stories, you know, the church was created. Or because of the appearances of Jesus, you know, the church did not create, you know, a story to say, oh, so and so saw him, so and so saw him, so and so saw him. No, no, no. Because of those evidences, they knew that this is the truth. Over 500 people met Jesus in a personal, physical manner after his resurrection. Number five, our neglect of Jesus' resurrection may be one of the reasons our gospel preaching is so powerless. Yes, we emphasize the cross, but oftentimes we don't bring in the fact that he is alive and acting today. Paul, writing to the Romans in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to everyone who believes. If we believe Christ is alive, he's working in our lives and through our lives, our preaching becomes more effective. Our preaching becomes more solid in terms of we know that this is the truth. But if we don't preach about the resurrection, we speak only about what Jesus has done for us rather than what he is doing in our lives, then it loses its power. Number six, the resurrection purchased our justification, purchased our justification. Romans chapter four and verse twenty five tells us he was delivered up for our trespasses, and raised for our justification what this means is that when jesus rose again he was declared to be righteous you know, sinless perfect not just lacking any sin but embodying holiness so the credit of jesus perfection outweighed the death of our sins now when we are in christ god says you are now counted as Righteous, not just as if I've never sinned, but just as if I've already lived a holy life. In other words, when God looks at us, we are justified. What, that, what does that mean? He looks at us perfect and complete in Christ, who is the righteous one. And that's the truth about the resurrection. Because He is alive, He's standing now between the Father and us. And when the Father looks at us, He looks at us as righteous, complete in Jesus. That's the benefit of the resurrection. Number seven, the resurrection gives us the joy of knowing that Christ is with us today. A dead hero in the grave is no help to us, but a risen savior in heaven gives us great confidence. Isn't it? A dead person, you may say, great things he did, hero. But that's all past. But the one who is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, gives us great confidence. That's the joy to know that Jesus is alive and is with us today. Number eight, the resurrection gives us hope that goes beyond the grave. Beyond the grave. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul said we should not grieve as others do who have no hope. This does not mean that we would not experience sadness, but because Jesus conquered the grave, we have confidence that we too one day will rise and so meet both Jesus and our believing loved ones again. And this changes everything when we come face to face with death. Number nine, the resurrection unites every Christian with the life-giving force that raised Jesus from the dead, that's a uniting factor you know the jesus uh, you know, uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter eight and verse eleven, The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The same person, the same power that brought life into the dead body of Jesus is now living in us. Whatever power do you require to bring a dead person to life, you know. Great part. The word that is used there is dynamite part. And that's the word that God gives to us to say, this is what unites us together. When Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, it means there's this huge dynamite part in the life of every believer. And as we work together, no weapon on earth can come against that. All that is possible because of the unity that God has brought about. Because of his living in us. Number 10, because of the resurrection, we can know that Jesus is personally coming back to judge and to rule the world. In Acts chapter 17, 30 and 31, we read, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead okay very clearly mentioned okay the fact that jesus rose again is proof that there is going to be a judgment is proof that he is going to be the judge is proof that he is going to come back again to rule the world these are all the truths about the resurrection and we must have this as our foundational truth now, let me share with you some proofs about the resurrection, that it actually happened. Okay? First of all, there was a new body. There was a new body. Okay? His resurrected body was like our physical body, but it was different. Okay, Remember, the Bible speaks about you know, Jesus putting out his hands and showing, look here, to Thomas and say, See the wounds on my hand. Now, he could also eat, they gave him some fish to eat, but he didn't have to open the door or knock on the door to come in, you know, he could just pass through walls. So here was a body which had physical form, but still was spiritual because it could, you know, it was not matter, but it could pass through walls. Here was a body that could also eat, you know? it didn't have to eat, but it could eat. And that's the type of body that we will have. That's what is a resurrection body, a body that does not die. You know, It does not have to die because there's no limitations anymore. And that's the type of a body that we will have also after we die. That's the assurance that we have. So when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, the new body that he had, when the uh, disciples, when the woman came to the tomb, you know, to see the body of Jesus, to embalm the body of Jesus, they found that the stone had already been rolled away. When Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, you know, Lazarus was still dead inside, and they said, roll away the stone, and then he called out to Lazarus. But when the women and the disciples came to the tomb, the tomb was, stone was already removed. Now, why was it removed? Was it removed so that jesus could come out like lazarus had to come out only after the stone was removed no jesus was already resurrected because the body that he had was a different body the stone was removed so that the disciples and the women could go inside to see that there was no body okay so this was definitely a new body that jesus had and that's the proof of the resurrection secondly the effect of the disciples, the effect of the disciples. After the resurrection, the weak disciples confronted and defied the authorities who had crucified him. Think for a moment. These disciples who all ran away when Jesus was crucified on the day of Pentecost, Peter could stand up and say, you are the guys who crucified him. What gave him that courage? The fact he knew that Jesus is indeed alive. So there was a total transformation, changeover in the lives of the disciples. The disciples who were timid and afraid now became bold because they knew that Jesus is alive. This is indeed the truth. The third proof of the resurrection is the empty tomb, the empty tomb. There was no body there, isn't it? So if in case the resurrection was not there, all that these you know, leaders had to do was to find the body, you know? <laughs> but there was no body. The tomb was empty. They could not produce the body from the empty tomb, a tomb which was heavily guarded by the Roman army, sealed with a great stone saying, look here, no person could have broken the seal and come out. Okay? So the fact that there was no body in the tomb shows. the resurrection actually happened. It's not a myth, it is not just a thought in the mind, but it is the truth. Fourthly, the testimony of others. There are many people down through history who have tried to disprove, disprove the resurrection and finally have definitely confirmed that yes, it is really the truth. We have in recent times, Lee Strobel, a journalist who has written a book you know, about the resurrection. Earlier, there was another individual, a lawyer who studied the resurrection, trying to disprove it and then came to the conclusion that it was really the truth. Yet another person by the name of Dr. Simon Greenleaf, who is a Royal Professor of Law at Harvard University, one of the greatest legal authorities. Okay. He believed that the resurrection of Jesus was a hoax and determined to expose it. But his investigation yielded a different result. And after thoroughly examining the evidence, he concluded to the rules of legal evidence that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was supported by history, that this was indeed true. Fifthly, the testimony of Jesus himself. Jesus, even before he died, he says, I'm going to rise again several times before his death itself. He told his disciples, this is what is going to happen to me. I'm going to die. But after three days, I will indeed rise again. And Jesus speaking to Mary and Martha in John chapter 11 tells them, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he died. So, Jesus constantly spoke about it, even beforehand. And when it happened, it did definitely prove to be true. Now, as I mentioned to you, down through the years, there are people who have tried to disprove the resurrection, and they have come up with so many different theories. Let me share with you some theories with you this evening, theories trying to disprove the resurrection. First of all, it is called the first one is called as the conspiracy hypothesis. What is the conspiracy hypothesis? This basically states that the disciples stole the body of Jesus okay, and continued to lie about his appearances to them and as a result, the resurrection was a hoax. The disciples stole the body of Jesus. Now, if somebody tells you that, how would you respond to that? Remember, there is a stone on the grave, uh, on the tomb, somebody had to remove that. Very heavy stone, you know, it was not easy to be moved by even a couple of people who moved the stone. That's the name of the book that that individual wrote. Now, for the disciples who had all run away, for them to steal the body of Jesus, okay, somehow they did it. But then to go around saying that he is alive and then on top of it to give their very lies for believing a lie, is that really possible? Not at all. The scholar William Lane Craig writes, if your favorite Messiah got himself crucified, then you either went home or else you got another new new Messiah. But the idea of stealing Jesus' corpse and saying that God raised him from the dead is hardly one that would have entered the minds of the disciples. Conspiracy hypothesis does not work at all. The second theory is the apparent death hypothesis, the apparent death hypothesis. This hypothesis states that Jesus was not completely dead when he was removed from the cross. And once he was put into the tomb, he revived and escaped, thus convincing the disciples of his resurrection. Think for a moment again. Was he not completely dead? The soldier pierced his side and blood and water came out separately, which is a symbol of death. Okay. Now, that is one part of it. And even if, okay, you say he fainted, he was not dead, he was not confirmed dead, he's put into a tomb, you know, wrapped with clothes all around. That's the way of burial for the Jews. And then he gets out of that, pushes the stone, such a weak person after all, the beating that he received at the crucifixion. for a person who is so weak and faint, nearly dying, just fainting, not dead, To get all that strength, not possible uh, at all. It is very unlikely that a half dead man would have been capable of even getting up to walk, much less moving the huge stone that sealed the tomb. Thirdly, wrong tomb hypothesis. The wrong tomb hypothesis. This hypothesis that it was early in the morning and the women lost their way. And wrong tomb. And when they asked, the person over there said, Jesus is not here. Okay, So they concluded from that that Jesus is alive. Now, if we study the biblical accounts. You see very carefully that the woman saw where he was buried, Okay, which tomb he was buried. Secondly, the scripture also tells us that it is not just he is not here. The angel also said he is risen. He is risen. So it was not a wrong tomb. It is a confirmation that this was the right tomb, but he was no longer there because he was risen. Fourthly, it's called the displaced body hypothesis, the displaced body hypothesis. Remember Jesus buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. So this hypothesis says that Joseph of Arimathea placed Jesus' body in his own tomb but later moved it to the criminal's graveyard. And the disciples were not aware that Jesus' body had been moved and therefore wrongly inferred that he had risen from the dead. Now, a couple of important things over here. For the Jews, it was not allowed for the body to be moved after it had already been buried. Okay, that's one thing. The other thing is, (coughs) why would Joseph of Arimathea, who was given his own tomb for Jesus' burial, Somewhere in the middle of the night, move that body somewhere else. Then he would have taken it right there in the first place, isn't it? That's just not possible. Also, after the death of Jesus, remember, after his resurrection, he appeared to people. So it's it's not just a question of displaced body. It was actually the fact that he is alive. There are plenty more of theories that people down through the years have tried to come up with, you know just trying to say the Resurrection did not happen. Why do they spend all their time and energy on these uh, silly hypotheses? Primarily because they know that the Resurrection is the foundation stone of Christianity. So what's the significance of the Resurrection? What's the significance of the Resurrection? Number one, the Resurrection proved that Jesus was divine. Romans 1.4 says, by being raised from the dead, He was proved to be the mighty son of God with the holy nature of God himself. The resurrection proved that Jesus is God. Secondly, the resurrection proved Christ's power to forgive sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, If Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. The resurrection showed that the sacrifice was accepted so that we can have forgiveness today thirdly the resurrection defeated god's enemy satan in 1 corinthians 15 55 to 57 this is what we read oh death where is your victory O death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Satan would have thought final blow has been given. The seal has been put on the coffin as it were to say he is dead. You know, I have won the victory. No, but when Jesus rose again from the dead, it showed that the enemy was defeated, that the enemy was defeated. So when Jesus rose from the dead, the power of sin and death was forever shattered so because of the resurrection we don't have to fear satan because satan is not a powerful foe; he has been defeated we don't have to fear death anymore because death also has been defeated number four the resurrection of jesus christ ranks as history's most revolutionary event he claimed to be god he said this is what i'm going to do he said i'm going to die He said, I'm going to rise again. And all that happened in history, in history. And as a result, it confirms that Jesus is who he said he was. What are the benefits of the resurrection to us today? Yes, it's a historical event. Yes, it proves that Jesus is who he said he is. Very God of very God. What are the benefits we have for us today? Number one, the resurrection of Jesus means that believers are justified before God, justified before God. Justification basically means to put right with, okay? That's the word meaning for justification. Because of sin, sin entered into the world. There was a gap. There was a wall that was erected between God and man. Now, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, that wall has been removed. Now the bridge has been made so now we are put right with God. That's what justification is. Secondly, the resurrection of Jesus shows that Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated death. Now remember, death is the enemy of mankind. The wages of sin is death. Every person who is born into this world will die. No matter how much medical science may improve, the fact of the matter is everyone will die. But Because of Jesus' death on the cross, death has been defeated. The sting, the bite, the fear of death has been removed. Because now we know. If somebody asks, you know, how do you know there's life after death? Look at the life of Jesus. He was very God, very man. He died. He rose again, giving us the assurance that when we die also, we would have that same experience. Thirdly. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that believers are united with Christ. We are united to him in faith. We are united to him in faith. In 2 Corinthians 4, 14, it says, Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That's the unity. We are united with him. So what happened to Jesus? We are in him. That is also going to happen to us. That's why in verse 16, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are all being renewed day by day. Number four, the resurrection of Jesus confirms the truth of scripture, that the Bible is true right from the Old Testament. Remember Job, one of the earliest books, you know, In Job 19.25, Job says, I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Even before Jesus coming into this world, even before his death and resurrection, Old Testament prophecies speak about his death and resurrection. And when it happened, it shows that what the Bible says is true. And what is saying about the future, about his coming again also is definitely true going to be true. That's the assurance that all scripture is true. Fifthly, the resurrection of Jesus proves the gospel to be true. Not only the scripture to be true, but the gospel to be true. When 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14 onwards, he says, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And that's what. very very clearly. If Christianity has to uh, be real, it depends on the resurrection. Resurrection is real that proves that what Jesus messages is true. And as a result, we can have that confidence, boldness to share freely with people around us that yes, Jesus indeed is not just a way but he is the way, the only way to God, because he is the only one who paid for our sins and rose again. Number six, the resurrection of Jesus proves that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. Romans 1, 4, he was declared to be the Son of God in power. The resurrection of Jesus shows that he is God. Okay. Power from on high came into him, brought life to his dead body. Showing that he is indeed God. Number seven, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that God the Father will give his Holy Spirit to believers. For us today, that's a benefit, isn't it? Acts 2 23, uh, 33 says, But therefore, being exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. That's the assurance for us today. Because he died, because he rose again today, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When Jesus was here on earth physically, he was able to be here, only in one place, but now he says, When I go, it's going to be good for you because I will send you the Holy Spirit, one who will be with you always. So, the fact that the Spirit of God is living in us today is assurance that Jesus is indeed alive. He has risen again, because only if he rose again and went, the Spirit of God would be given. Number eight, the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives Christians a a living hope. This is the phrase that Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, where he says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. So life here on earth is full of hope because we know that Jesus is alive and is with us. Life after death is full of hope because we know that Jesus has gone ahead to prepare A way for us. So the resurrection gives Christians tremendous hope. Tremendous hope. Number nine, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that we will be raised like Him. Raised like Him. In 1 Corinthians 15 20, as we read earlier, He is called as the first fruits of the resurrection. First fruits of the resurrection. So because Jesus rose again from the dead, we would also rise again. In 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22, Paul writing says, For as by a man came death, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. And finally, number 10, the resurrection of Jesus means that Christ will judge the world in righteousness. As a passage that we read earlier in Acts chapter 17, God has fixed a day. God has fixed the day for judgment, and of this he has given the assurance by raising Jesus from the dead. So Jesus came into this world, prayed for our sins on the cross, rose again, proving that he is God. Now, during these days, before his coming back again, he is giving each one of us an opportunity to respond to this truth. So the resurrection of Jesus is not just a matter of fact, which can be taken lightly. It's a matter of eternal life or eternal death. The resurrection is not simply a fact to be believed or rejected. it is a fact to which our response will determine our eternal destiny. If we respond to Jesus death, burial, and resurrection, the same resurrection power is now available to us. If we reject that, then the scripture tells us what we are going to face is only the judgment, which is a truth because he rose again. Judgment is also going to be there. So my prayer is that we will be encouraged this evening by the truth of this resurrection. Respond by faith to what Christ has done for us on the cross. Receive, receive his resurrected power of the spirit into our lives. And so live victorious lives with full of hope, not fear of the future, because knowing that God is there with us. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word to us this evening. What a joy to know that we serve a living, risen Savior. That the resurrection is not a myth, resurrection is not a thought in the mind, but the resurrection is a historical fact. Lord, that because He rose again, we can be 100% sure, Lord, that our sins have been paid for, that we don't have to pay for it anymore. Because the resurrection is real, we can have this assurance that the same power that raised you from the dead is available to each one of us even today. And because the resurrection is real, we also know, Lord, that you are coming back again to judge the world. Father, we pray that you'd find us as individuals who have responded by faith to what you have done for us on the cross so that we won't face the judgment of your wrath, but we will be received into your kingdom, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done for us, and we have accepted that free gift. We give ourselves into your hands. Help us, Lord, to live by this truth that, yes, you are alive, and that we will live lives each day full of hope, knowing that your presence is real in our lives. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.